Welcome to the AI Assisted Organization podcast with myself, Piers Linney, and my co-host and co-founder of Implement AI, Alok Shukla. Hi, Alok. Hey, Piers. How are you? Well, I've had an amazing weekend, Alok. So you probably saw that Atherton Bikes uh, had a great weekend. We've got a bike called AM200, a downhill bike, which was ridden by a chap called Charlie Hatton. He won the World Championship up in Fort William in Scotland. I couldn't get up there. I had a family around. And not only that, we had the number two podium spot as well in the men's elite. Andreas Cole became number two. So we've got the fastest bike in the world now. And this company building now for, you know, probably four years, but a lot of hard work. It's just fantastic to see uh, the results coming through. But to tie back to this, um, I, was, I sent to you a, look, uh, a Steve Jobs snippet from about 30 years ago, where he was comparing the efficiency of different animals as to how they travel. And a uh, condor can travel a mile with very, very low energy input. Humans don't fare particularly well. But you put a human on a bike and they are far more efficient than the condor. What Steve Jobs said, the quote that I quite like, was that you know, computers are like the bicycles of the mind. And um, in a way, that's what AI is. And this is 30 years ago. And now we're looking at something that's going to make us even more efficient. So that's the link between uh, implementing AI and the podcast and my weekend. How was yours? Oh, great, great weekend. It's really hot here in Portugal at the moment. So yeah, enjoying the sun. Now, I keep seeing you grappling on social media. Yeah, let's <laughs> start learning jujitsu. So that keeps me busy. Yeah, my daughter's a green bow and Judah wants me to do that as well. Anyway, let's get into it. Otherwise, we'll get into grappling for an hour. So um, I get a lot of news this week, but a lot of it is sort of consumer implementations, consumer use cases, you know, things like, you know, text and music. You can uh, use new meta platform and various other ones as well to create, you know, a song and music on the fly, which is all very interesting. And I do recommend you go look at these things and just try and understand a bit about the the art of the possible, essentially. I will come back in the AI of the week, something kind of along those lines, although it does have uh, quite serious business use cases. But we're going to cover some news on LinkedIn, Google DeepMind, Robotic Vision, which is going to become more important over time as we see robotics evolve and scale up and the prices come down as a result. Talk about you know, GPU shortages and but quite a lot of news to implement AI. We've got events, a new website. We're going to talk you through, give an intro to one of our white papers, a bit of a sneak peek. And, you know, there's lots of other news we'll, we'll get into. So, LinkedIn. So you're seeing now a lot of companies now are, you know, scrambling to implement AI into everything they do. Some is protective, some it adds value. I think in most cases it seems to be the, the former rather than the latter. I think in terms of LinkedIn, they are creating LinkedIn coach. So this is to assist users in job applications and networking. And they're talking about provide application support for skill training. If you didn't know that, LinkedIn's owned by Microsoft. The idea is that Microsoft's gone all in on AI as well. So that this is also going to pervade um, LinkedIn. And they're saying that Microsoft's in a broader integration of his chatbots into all of his products. It's actually going to include LinkedIn as well. So that should, that could be quite powerful in terms of helping you navigate in the complicated world of a, you know finding talent and finding a job. No, for sure. I mean, LinkedIn is so incredibly valuable. I mean, for us, it's it's hugely valuable, like keeping up to date with the latest news, connecting with new people. And I think for anyone that's trying to like you know, expand their business, they really need to be paying attention to it because it offers so much good social reach as well. And in other news, uh, Google DeepMind, so I mean, the pace at which these white papers and the news comes out is just insane. So we won't spend too much time on this, but you know, we talk a lot about software and uh, how and you know, large language models and uh, diffusion models that change the world and be able to communicate with technology. But eventually, uh, AI will go mobile. So, you know, we're going to see robotics evolve. You know, we say in our AI-assisted kind of framework, that, you know, software that focuses, you know, two to five years or change materially. Robotics is a bit further out. But one of the big issues with robotics is is the way in which a robot like a human actually engages with it and understands the world around it. We have all our senses. Robotics are not, not quite there yet. And today, and this is a bit your background, Alok, isn't it? It's been quite expensive um, machine learning. So 
they've created the Robotic Transformer 2 RT2. And this is a, a vision language action VLA model, they call it, which learns both from robotics data, like machine learning as well, but also from the web as well. And they translate that knowledge into generalized instructions that robots can understand. So this means that in this new paper that they've actually um, put out, the robots start to learn from web data, data they access around them, machine learning data is provided to them based on, on different models. But the idea here is that it becomes a lot faster and a lot cheaper to train robots. And I guess a lot, I mean, I'm no massive expert in this, but they'll start using a lot more synthetic data as well. No, for sure. And I think that these kind of like multiple inputs, which can help the, the system learn much faster, is just accelerating the potential of what's possible. I, I saw another paper where they were showing how basically an LLM could learn how to use equipment by reading the instruction manual, basically, right? So I think the more humans, humans should try doing that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it's becoming quite impressive at what's possible. And there are some real big breakthroughs coming in robotics actually quite soon as well. They've got some humanoids in the States, which I'm quite excited to see what happens, but it's converging very fast. That's the bottom line. This is something which is quite easy. A lot of like when you're trying to, I did a, I, I released an article on LinkedIn in my newsletter, which is also sign up for business as usual. And uh, it was about the, the end of the trainee. And, um, you, know, you know, you sort of put these articles out there. And a lot of the time, the images you try and use, try and integrate AI into the real world, you tend to use robots. But eventually, you know, you see this uh, Tesla versus places, uh, Boston Dynamics. You are going to see this robots change the world. I mean, eventually they're going to be industrial, going to be commercial, like anything else over time, and become cheaper. Cheaper to buy, and probably they're half a million quid or more these days. Probably a lot more from Boston Dynamics. Eventually, it will be you know robots with the right form factor helping you do everything you do in your normal day. But making it cheaper, these are the first steps to making it um, a lot easier for people to access because this is going to be the next phase of uh, changing the world. It'll be software first, but the robots are definitely coming. Hundred percent. Right. In other news, so you're seeing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you're involved in crypto, you weren't, were you? I had a dabble, but um, the GPU shortage that that created, and now you've got another one now um, because of um, AI. So, you know, the companies just buying these things as fast as they can be produced, and these are the chips that you use to power AI rather than the kind of the, the CPU. And NVIDIA, which we'll talk about a bit about later, um, are the, the leaders. Now, what you're seeing there is, is um, demand is far stripping supply. So Microsoft are now saying, I don't, I don't quite know why they're putting out especially saying this. Maybe it's a call to action for other people or other uh, or investors to on a lot of new startups that are appearing. They're saying that um, unless they can, you know, people can produce, they can access supply of GPUs, then not just will AI be slowed down, but they are, they're saying they might have potential service disruptions. It's quite interesting. You would have thought the service scales, you know, you, you sort of stop and then you, know, so you don't sort of, you know, sort of forecast your service to grow fast and new ability to provide it. So I'm not sure how that works. But they're saying that they might not be able to get enough GPUs for their data centers. The rising demand for AI services have led the company to seek for additional capacity. So maybe, Alloy, you guys think about this, which I'm doing now a bit deeper as we talk about it, is that this is a call to action. And you are seeing a lot of these GPU startups that are raising huge amounts of money um, across the US and Asia and the Far East. Oh, sorry, in the Middle East. Yeah, no. And, and I think there's also like two things here. It's going to show that like, Prime access to computers is going to be charged at a premium because there's a shortage, right? You know, like, uh, so that's going to be like one thing. And then the second thing, absolutely. Like, um, I heard an, I read an interesting thing where they said that actually the state of some of these LLM models might be better than we realize because at the moment, everything's constrained by compute. So when actually these systems had more compute, the outputs might even be better basically, right? You know, so I 
think that's that's quite interesting. It's like how big will the fish grow? It depends how big the pond is. Yeah, or how much food is getting, or whatever like that, right? Like, uh, and that's an interesting point yeah. here. I think Microsoft just doing things in a very smart way, so that they're signalling who needs to allocate budget and reserve and book now. Basically, isn't it kind of like? We don't want to give financial advice on this podcast, but buy Nvidia. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be. I'll let you stop the price. <laughs> it's how many orders of magnitude has increased over the last couple of years? But it looks like there's there's some way to go yet, given that news. So quite a bit of news from Implement AI. Um, we've got a new website, which is the first bit of news. So we've been working on this for quite a while, and we've had a kind of a holding page, and we've been just seeing where things are going. You know, which services and products um, are people are more interested in. But well, we've now also realized that a lot of what we're doing is of interest to large enterprise as well as SMEs. The website's going to have different sections. You probably see those rolling out now. Uh, enterprise, SME, we'll talk about training in a minute. Uh, digital track as well, the white papers, the podcast, obviously. And we'll also come back to white papers. You're going to see that rolling out over the course of this week. I'm also going to give you a bit of a sneak preview on just into some of the content we have on the website. No, absolutely. And as, as always, if you want to stay up to date, sign up for our AI Insider newsletter. But yeah, there's going to be more, more information kind of come out on the website over the next week or so. And with the white papers, we'll go into a bit more detail. Our goal is really to make it as easy and clear as possible for entrepreneurs, enterprises to become AI-assisted because really that's our mission. Yeah, and you can find more information about, we talked about this quite a bit last week, you know, fractional chief AI officers, and it's kind of all of our products and services. Some of them work better for, you know, smaller companies and larger companies, but generally they're kind of relevant across the board, especially things like uh, training, which we're also going to come on to. I think, Alo, you wanted to give a bit of a sneak preview of the kind of, I guess it's like a foundational white paper, isn't it, that we've written? Yeah, absolutely. So this is the YouTube section of the podcast. So I'm just going to share my screen and then we can have a chat through it, Piers, like, because there's quite a lot of elements that we both worked on and went through and it just helps give the right framework because we get lots of messages from people saying, how specifically can I use it? What do I need to think about? Yeah, so, yeah, if you're listening to this, we'll kind of talk through it, but also on YouTube, um, maybe for the air of the week as well, there's a few visual sections as well, so you can still listen, but yeah, YouTube may be more helpful, some of these sections. So the whole point is this is a blueprint for SMEs on how they can implement AI. And really, the whole point of it is like helping people understand, you know, where is the opportunities with a horizon scan, and also like how can you actually leverage it tactically, basically, right? And we give a five-level framework. So we talk about, you know, opportunities and threats, and key opportunities of that you can do by departments. And then we also talk about and um, you know the five levels of AI integration. So we look at this within the model where you go from level zero, where you've got like no AI at all, and level five, which is fully AI assisted. So we find that there's so talk about so we liken that um which I think works quite well to the the EVs or um a sort of fully automated cars, which is the end game. Right now they're not. It's kind of a, a continuum. And it's the same in your AI assisted organization, isn't it? Absolutely. So We've got like level zero, which is like no assistance with driving, for example, unless it's like full autonomy. But we've got the same thing with like levels fives of um, AI assistance. So for example, level zero, no AI automation, you know, marketing activities, sales activities, delivery and fulfillment and operations are all manual. And then when you've got like different areas, you've got like, for example, when it goes to AI assisted or partial AI automation, you've got more and more happening, basically. So the whole point is we talk about over time to become more AI assisted, you need to move along this continuum. And it's all about going level one, level two, level three, level four, to level five over time. So this is just a bit of a... And it's not the whole business, is it? The way we approach it is you, you want to look at low-hanging fruit, different departments, different divisions, different specialisms, different workflows that are probably easily move. 
kind of start with those, and then you kind of work across the whole organization. And also this white paper, we're not talking here about digital transformation or using technology or software as a surface. This is actually focused on artificial intelligence. Exactly. So yeah, that's just a bit of a sneak peek. If you want to um, get, get access to it, you know, sign up to our inside the newsletter um, on, the, on the website, and we're going to be sending it out basically next week as well. Basically, right? So yeah, that's a little bit of a teaser from there. We've got some other white papers which will be coming out to do with um, our fractional chief AI officers and um, you know, strategies for enterprise companies as well. And then the other news, we mentioned it last week. I think now we've locked, if you're in the Northwest or you're going to travel to the Northwest, if you want to join us on the 18th of October, uh, the venue is TBD. We did have locked in a day for 18th of October for our, going to be focused on SMEs, although we might be doing um, an enterprise event with a different partner. Um, either before or just after that. Well, this event is 18th of October, be in Manchester. It's going to be Implement AI with uh, the, a Manchester Growth Hub and other partners to have an event to help you become AI assisted. So there'll be a mixture of speakers, um, different sessions, maybe a discussion. We'll talk through some of what we do as well, some of our experiences. So it should be a fantastic session. We're hoping to get three to maybe even 400 people there. So look out for the news on that. It'll be on the new website, um, probably during the course of next week or the week after. No, exactly. And then like events wise Manchester's going to be a big one but we've also got upcoming ones in London and Dublin so yeah we're looking forward to meeting more business owners and, and more companies and just really just you know, helping everything get, get more AI assisted so let's go back to kind of news but also just discussion points as well so chat GPT you know it is the one that everyone tends to use or is more aware of uh, they're only a bunch of small updates over time uh, this is to improve the user experience well I'm, I'm always quite surprised I don't roll them out faster I guess it's because they can't get the GPUs. <laughs> but um, it's quite frustrating, for example, we talked about this, really powerful custom instructions, so kind of background prompts. So you'd have to keep repeating yourself all the time. That's not available yet. I don't know if you've got that on Ireland. That's not available yet in the UK. Yeah, because they've got a US cleared. I think they have to like do things based on data policies in different countries over time. But I also, they have to get people used to the AI updates, you know, over time. I think really like from GPT-4, then when they unloaded Code Interpreter for everyone, that's kind of... 4.5 basically right you know like uh, and so you know gpt5 you talk about it like you know some of the trademarks and some of the different and um, different things have been registered but it, it just shows the roadmap of where where everything's going to go but it's already it's already very powerful i don't know about you Piers, but like we, we have these meetings well we, we have these messages between us where we're, we're uncovering new capabilities and better use cases from the ai ourselves from using it right you know and like i'm just i'm constantly i'm constantly impressed by like what they can do you know and, and every day Alex running another different course that you know, you're teenagers essentially. I've got two of mine on there and it's kind of blown their minds. Or when I'm working with them and I'm talking about what they're doing and the kind of homework that you've given them, um, you think, well, that's just so powerful. But all the time I sit back sometimes and just think, wow, that would have taken me a week. And I've done it in, you know, usually Sunday afternoon, <laughs> something like that. Well, ChatGPT, they're rolling out prompt examples. So it's okay having these large language models. And also one thing we're going to mention a bit is training. So we are launching for this reason is that we keep getting asked, well, how do I do that? How do I improve that? How does this department use this? You know, will, will there be training for Microsoft Copilot or Google Duet? And we've kind of built a, a training uh, division, essentially, a plan for it to allow people with training. And one of the big ones is prompt engineering. Now, prompt engineering is probably going to be like EFAX. It'll be a, a sort of a intermediary sort of technology or a requirement people are going to have or skill set. But eventually, we kind of automate yeah. it and understand natural language, what you're trying to think and understand you more well they're kind of providing prompt examples suggested replies so you can have deeper conversations with the the, the chatbot it's gonna i mean this is like a small one which is 
defaulting to GP4 for plus users. I'm surprised that's news, but it can be quite frustrating because sometimes you start a chat and you forgot to um, move it to um, GPT4, which means you can't use any of the, the beta service like plugins, for example. And then users are going to be able to upload multiple files. Now, sometimes you hear these things, oh, you can upload multiple files. Like, okay, so what? Now you're talking about comparison. Now you're saying, here are two documents, here are two spreadsheets, here are two images, whatever they might be. Please look at them and compare them. And often you just sit back again with a cup of tea and wait for it to tell you what the differences are and the insights that you probably would never have spotted yourself. So even these little things like uploading two documents plus code interpreter, which is the ability to be a data analyst anymore, come extremely powerful. And that's what we're saying. It's only when you just upload things and ask questions and just try things where sometimes the, the response, the output you get back is astounding. No, 100%. And like, that's why I'm using Claude so much because the context window is huge and you cannot also upload multiple files. And and I was literally doing that this week. Like I was uploading two different files. I was asking for the commonalities and the differences and then using those bits to expand on the other one. And, you know, if I was trying to do that and like read the whole document and then load that into my context memory, I can't hold everything, you know, like, uh, so it, it gives you a kind of different level of precision that you can work with and you can work in a logical way. And, you know, if you also use the systems where it shows it's working and helps it do stuff in stages. So part of that important thing to understand with working language models is ask it to do things in stages and then build on that rather than trying to do everything in one go. And um, these are just examples that we'll be going through in training much, much more. But honestly, like we, we said this last week, if the state of AI stopped like innovating and, and stayed the same now, we have so much more to discover from the capabilities already now. And it's just a question of just like learning how to use them effectively, basically. But yeah, having, you know, AI for marketing departments, AI for sales teams, you know, different things like this, like for customer support. It's just, it's all about the use cases and the applications and um, optimizing your workflows. And we're also doing um, a sort of training for a large enterprise as well. So you can use this technology to sort of innovate, um, innovate a lot faster. Now, as well the news, we're also seeing, you know, more news about GPT-5. I think it's all just sort of hot air, to be honest with you. Well, they have tried to register the um, trademark. They are registering the trademark, whatever that means. I'm not sure exactly what GPT-5 is, is going to mean. You know, you have, you've got GPT-4, open AI when they add code interpreter you gotta ask yourself is that a new version because it's fundamentally different in terms of its capability now so though we haven't had a, a formal GPT-5 with a, a label stuck on it you know custom instructions code interpreter means that things have changed materially already so you know GPT-5 in many ways is all here I'm not sure yeah. you can have these versions forever this should just be allowed to evolve and iterate over time based on what they're realizing people want and what works Agree, and, and they are doing exactly that. But I think in the GPT-5, they're talking about speech straight away, about processing audio um, input. And, and so they're going to go multimodal. And, and, and I think power of code interpreter plus GPT-5 um, in those dimensions, it's very powerful. Now, another piece of news, which I find sort of quite confusing, is that a lot of the platforms are now rolling out or, or want to roll out. We mentioned this in the regulatory overviews we did over a couple of weeks ago. Is that, you know, the, the EU, for example, want content and AI generated content and images and video to be flagged as such to have like almost like digital watermarks. And now Meta, they're rolling out potentially content flags on Instagram. So on one hand, you've got all these large tech companies, you know, killing themselves and investing billions to enable people to generate huge amounts of content you know yeah text and read or text chatbots whatever it might be text and video and then the other hand they want everyone to flag it all so almost any piece of content is going to have some watermark that's a generative ai to me it makes no sense i think it's because like there's all these um policies happening in the eu and around the world where it's like they want to be able to identify what is ai generated and what is not 
And especially with elections coming up, I think they just have to try and get these things in place. But it's kind of a bit of a mess, basically, right? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I get it. If, if there's a video of your prime minister sitting there having a conversation, you probably want to know whether that's real or not. Whether someone's written an article, they, I mean, who cares as long as it gives you the information you want. Yeah, well, gee, the open AI themselves, they discontinued the AI checker themselves, isn't it? Because, like, it's just not reliable and you can't understand where it is. But I think we, as a society, we just have to, like, test and work out different ways. And I think in different contexts, for different types of information, over time, everything's going to become basically AI-assisted. Even your eyes, pierced, right? Like, they're AI-assisted right now, aren't they? Kind of reading my AI of the week now. If you're on YouTube, I'm looking at the camera, right? And I'm still looking at the camera. But I'm actually not looking at the camera. I'm looking to the left. I don't know what, what it looks like now. You can see it. I'm looking to the left. There's some notes we've written to help the show. Well, my eyes are looking straight into the camera because they're not my eyes. They're some eyes that have been created by a software called NVIDIA Broadcast. So shout out to uh, Andrew Church, the NVIDIA, NVIDIA team. We're becoming an NVIDIA partner. Well, the idea is, is that one of the frustrations of being you know, content creators is that, you know, you always want to be looking at the camera, don't you? When you're on a video conference call, eventually they'll solve this, but you always want to be looking down the lens like I am now. Well, you also want to be looking at notes or looking at something on a, on a website. And what this allows you to do is to do exactly that. But as far as the viewer's concerned, I'm looking straight at the camera. So right now I'm looking to the left at about uh, probably a 30 degree angle at some notes, but hopefully my eyes will be saying that. <laughs> it looks like that. Natural. It looks. You kind of going too far. I don't know what will happen. I'll probably break them all. It all looks a bit weird. Sometimes my eyes appear on the wrong side of my glasses. It's a bit odd. So, but again, this is powerful stuff. This is um, it's a, it's a beta. Uh, Nvidia Broadcast is a test, but you can also you can put your audio through there. You can have um, you can take out background noise, fan noise. You know the birds chirping, whatever cars, police sirens. So you can now put through audio video and also that what you hear in terms of the speakers the output as well through nvidia broadcast so it's a great product and uh, I, I was trying to i did quite a few like keynotes some of them virtual as well and i'm trying to, going to try and use it for that because it's so important having that that kind of eyeline of be able to look down the lens as if you're talking to um, a person in person and uh, i love it so hopefully if you're watching youtube i don't know if you've spotted it yet but um not looking at my eyes so we've well, really one of my eyes of the week thanks for that <laughs> so the other <laughs> and then you just, um, I mean, we talk about this a lot, is, and I know you think about this, but we'll touch upon it. But this, I think we should come back to this one in another, in another session. But more I talk to people about the web and SEO, and I have a conversation with an organization that I work with quite closely. And they've got quite a big um, digital marketing division. A lot of it's SEO. And I kind of, he said, well, what is this going to happen to our business? And I kind of said to them, well, I think websites and SEO might go away. And it, you can see the kind of blood draining out of their face. And I kind of explained it to them that, you know, I've done this example before that your personal AI will go off and talk to corporate AIs and it'll know who you are, what you want, everything down to your heartbeat at that moment in time. And it can go and negotiate and buy the barbecue you want. You only need to go to a website. Therefore, you know, vendors who've had websites won't need to build websites anymore. It won't be, make no sense. It won't be worth it. Best with, the website could go away, which means the SEO and search might go away as well. Probably one of the reasons why Google was sort of slower to the party than they could have been, given the fact that they actually invented the transformer model. So I think it's something we can come back to, but uh, that world is going to change massively. And I, I keep being asked a lot, just general conversations about where is the web going? No, it's becoming increasingly fragmented. Like people are using GPTs as search, you know, like within Bing. I never use search now. Do you search? I do occasionally. Like, like, like vanilla search? I, I, occasionally, occasionally. But like, but I'm finding much better answers from like, you know, from AI, I'm just searching for different things sometimes now, but but it's 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 changing. There's no two ways about it. It's changing. 
Well, you, you get an answer, don't you? You don't just lose more questions. So it tends to give you. Anyway, well, I think we'll come back to that. That's, that's going to be a big one, I think. And maybe we're going to try and... Uh, AI for marketing, that's going to be like its own section, basically. Yeah, I think we might get some guests on as well. So we might get some experts in there. Maybe people who... be interested to get people on, on the pod who are in industries that are disrupting. Also from industries that are being disrupted. See what they're thinking. And so what the news is, what I find really interesting, was from Goldman Sachs. Uh, it's Goldman Sachs Economic Research Department. And they put out some research kind of based on the American uh, market. Well, they're saying that by 2025, investment in AI could reach 4% of the GDP. And to give you an idea, electricity and investment in PCs, when they were kind of um, hit the market, added about 2%, was about 2% of GDP. So these are big numbers, given the fact that size of the, the US economy. What was interesting, just going back to the example there about the internet and getting people on who are disruptors or disruptees, is that 16% of US firms are mentioning AI on their earnings calls. But something it's going to be take 10, two to 10 years to properly adopt and implement AI. Now, I've said this a lot, right? AI is not the cloud, right? It is not mainframe computers moving to, you know, personal computers, sort of networks. This is a different kettle of fish. This is going to move a lot faster. I was quite surprised this research. Another piece of number was that 70% of Fortune founders, CEOs. Okay, if you watch on YouTube, I'm looking to the left here. It's 38, 30 degree angle. I'm not looking at the camera. 70% of Fortune 500 CEOs think that AI will change their labor needs at about five years out. I just don't understand. Given the news from IBM, BT, lots of other big companies, I think that, you know, it's like the internet, isn't it? These things are going away a lot faster than these people think they think it is. I shared that tweet with you, isn't it? Like where they were looking at Twitter, for example, right? You know, or X.com. Like, you know, the whole point that like, you can cut the teams massively and at the same time you can also like you know leverage technology and different things to kind of like improve different things and and and, and grow from there i mean the number of people that are using you know github copilot for coding already and um, the, the productivity increases that are possible i saw an example actually just before where they had an llm running on a mobile phone which was fine-tuned with medical data so it was almost like a personal medical assistant for example so there's no way this is three to five years out this is, this is right now and this is already you know like shifting behaviors and and reducing the need for you know certain roles no question yeah i was really surprised it's if it's like they're kind of modeling the adoption on the to the traditional something called s curves i call it innovation curve where you know it takes a lot longer for technology to be adopted but once it's adopted um it's, it kind of grows a lot faster than it was expected but I, I just don't think it's going to be the same i think once organizations understand the power of this technology you know, and it's evolved, as we always say, AI today is the worst it's ever going to be. They're going to have to adopt it a lot faster because if they don't, the competition is. Right. Right. So that's enough there. I was going to do NVIDIA broadcast AI of the week, but you had a little sneak preview of that. But earlier on, when we started off, I was saying a lot of the news this week was uh, kind of consumer, I mean, like text and music, for example. Now, some of these things are worth playing with because I think what they do is provide you with a, some insight and understanding of what's coming what is already possible, the art of the possible. And one of the things I think is worth looking at, if you're, I mean, you know, we're looking at this maybe for training you, and if it's good enough, is using um, different platforms where you can create videos. So some trying to all singing and dancing, you know, editing video, like in the old fashioned way where you kind of cut it, or editing video by just amending the text, which is quite powerful actually. But some of these platforms are, you know, synthesia, where you can create avatars, and they can basically talk. Um, and there's other ones like um, DID as well. One I've been playing with is called HeyGent, agen.com it's app.agen.com and it allows you to sort of create videos so for different use cases well, one of the interesting things you can do is upload a picture of yourself and a decent picture sort of head on 
or too complicated. And then you can then go to another um, 11 Labs, for example, and replicate your clone your voice. And then you can then type into add text into the platform. And then your photograph will start speaking in a reasonably, no, it's not perfect, but a reasonably natural looking way. It starts speaking. This is quite cheap as well. That text, and it can do it in your voice. Now, Synthesia, they do this as well, but it's slightly more expensive. You can have an avatar of yourself, mate. But my advice is, my area of the week is probably, hey, Jen, is an NVIDIA broadcast. So go away and have a play, play of NVIDIA broadcast. You can use it in your Teams or Zoom calls. And go and have a play with HeyGen or DID and have a play with creating video or creating avatar of yourself and to start to understand that when this is much better, which is not far away, you'll be able to do all of your training, all of your onboarding, you know, a lot of communications internally automatically, then create auto-generated communications, even with prospects, but definitely with customers. I'm going to leave it there. Well, it's a little, it's half an hour. So again, we said that we launched the website. It's a simple one now. We're going to roll in all the other sections during the course of the week for enterprise, SMEs, launch the training division, white papers, be a page there for the podcast as well. So have a look at the white papers access it. Sign up for our AI Insider newsletter. If you're listening to this and you want to see NVIDIA broadcast in action, because I'm now looking again over there at the third at some notes, have a look at us on YouTube and please do follow us and help us out as far as you can by rating the pod and sharing with anyone you think might find it uh and that's it anything else from your side Alan? no all good forward to catching up with you next week right well thanks for joining us this is the ai assisted organization podcast implement ai uh, we'll see you again next week see you